This morning, I want to start out um, reading our, our scripture, which is Luke 18, verses 35 through 43. Um, scroll in your phones. I see scrolls and, and people flipping and everything else. If you want to follow along, Luke 18, 35 through 43. It's kind of a common story, probably something that we're, most of us are familiar with. It says, as Jesus approached Jericho... A blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. So he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him, told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more. He shouted, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. So, Heavenly Father, as we we look at your word this morning, just... uh, Help us to be open, our eyes and our ears and our hearts to be open, and just to hear hear from you, not to hear from me, but to hear from you this morning. And, uh, in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> now, I titled this, though, I, I, I don't uh, like the, I think the nervous part, when they put the word sermon beside your name, That's that's it seems so ominous. So I like Mike's uh, reflection or... Or Charles's talk, or, or or whatever, but I gave it the title "Faith That Brings an Umbrella," and the reason is because I want to start out with a story about umbrellas and about rain. If you Google "Faith That Brings an Umbrella," it's interesting. Pretty much the same story keeps coming up, and it's you know y'all have probably heard, may have heard about the little boy that brings an umbrella when the village is going to pray for rain. Well, this story is kind of similar, but um, it, it it actually happened. Not that that one didn't actually happen, but it's actually happened here in Sevier County and happened to me. Um, and we've had beautiful weather the last couple of days. The sun's shining today and everything's great. But depending on who you ask, one person might say we haven't had enough rain or we need rain or, uh, or rain last week, but we still need more comments like that. Well, this was about 15, 16 years ago. I, I tried to look it up, but I couldn't really land on an exact date. But Sevier County was in a serious, sincere drought. It's, it's not the 2016 drought when we had the fires. This was even before that. It had not rained for months and months and months. Every conversation at church, Sunday after Sunday, service after service, every conversation as people gathered, as people talked, was about rain. Is it going to rain? Will it ever rain? How bad is this drought compared to the last drought? People, well, I remember when I was growing up, you know, it didn't rain for two years. And, you know, every story was about rain. So one Sunday, as the service was coming to a close, the pastor made this announcement. He said, next week, our service is going to be a special service about rain. We're going to sing songs about rain. We're going to read scriptures about rain. My sermon's going to be about rain. Everything is going to be about rain and the provision of God and the, and the, the protection of God and, and things like, you know, as related to rain. 
And then we're going to pray for it to rain. No, no big deal, right? But then the next thing he said kind of sent a shock through the crowd. I want everybody here, the pastor said, to bring an umbrella next week. Because we are going to pray that we leave church in a pouring rain. Now, I don't remember a lot of skepticism necessarily or a lot of doubt, but there also wasn't a lot of, yay, <laughs> we're gonna, you know, are we, is he serious? Are we going to pray that God will send rain and, while we're praying? You know, was, was the pastor, and he was serious. This was a man who was well, really respected in our community um, and in our church. It was a big church. It, it, it would have been a big it would have been a big deal if 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 that had happened. Just there's no other way to, to put it. <clears throat> so as it turned out, it rained during the week. And I don't remember exactly what day, but there were several days of hard rains and storms effectively ended into the, the drought situation. So maybe God did answer all the prayers after all. Just not as fast as everybody wanted, but that's another this is something for another day. But it's made me wonder, ever since then, what would have happened had it not rained? How many umbrellas would have shown up at church? <clears throat> Specifically, would I have brought mine? Not so I could say, look at me, I have this great faith. I brought an umbrella. Not so it could be a bargaining chip. You know, I think that's what it could be. Well, God, all these people have umbrellas and we're praying. And if you don't make it rain, we're going to look pretty foolish, you know. Or worse still, what if I had brought my umbrella, we had all prayed and it had rained, and then I'd be, I made it rain because I brought my umbrella. <laughs> so I, I want us to think about, you know, in, in that case, would, would God, because <clears throat> we didn't really trust that God would make it rain, not because there's, you know, masses of warming cold air and not because there's an updraft in the clouds and not because the elements are right, but just by his grace, would he make it rain? I believe then and I believe now he could, but would he? In other words, did I believe John 14, 13 through 14? It says, Jesus says, I will do Whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask anything in my name, and I will do it. Did I believe that? Well, do we find faith like that in the Bible? That's a good place to start. And I think of a couple people right off. When you think of Ryan, who are you going to think of? Noah. I mean, Noah had tremendous faith. You know, here it is. He's saying that it's going to rain. It was probably sunny like today. Imagine if someone was outside right now building a boat saying it's going to rain. I need a boat. What kind of flood do you need a big boat for? And then when, when Noah started herding animals in, there had to be scoffing and laughter everywhere. But he had faith and he went forward with it. A few years or a few chapters later, we read about Abraham. At 75 years old, he just picked up everything he had and with just a few family members left and went to a, a, a land he knew nothing about. 
because God promised to give it to him and his descendants. That's tremendous faith. Now, the Bible commends the faith of Noah and Abraham. In fact, Abraham's faith, you know, if you think about it, was was is kind of at the very center of one of the ongoing church debates that we always hear. Works versus faith. And I think about, we sometimes read, you know, scripture. We read Paul's letters, you know, Romans or, or 1 Corinthians or different letters. And then we read James and we, and we think they have differing opinions. And we're like, but we isolate it just to that. But sometimes I don't think what's written uh, in the Bible necessarily was written in a vacuum. You know, I know I've, I've, I've written some, some diff- different things. Charles is, is a writer. Um, and, and most of the time, things that you write are kind of aired out, you know, in discussions and in debates and in thoughts. So I think about, you know, the, 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 the setting. Of, there's a, there's a, a party going on or a dinner going on or, or whatever going on. And, and the disciples are gathered and other people <clears throat> are all gathered around. And, and Paul's like, you know, giving, them, giving it to them, like preaching to everybody. And he's like, you know, having been justified by faith in, through Jesus and having, having obtained uh, by faith an, an introduction to the grace by which we stand. And all of a sudden, James stands up and says, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Paul. Man's not justified by faith. He's justified by works. And then Paul's like, well, but what about Abraham? Abraham, God credited Abraham righteousness because of his faith. And then James is like, yeah, but, but Abraham was willing to be obedient to God even up to sacrificing his son. And Paul's like, yeah, that's exactly right. And that's why it becomes a situation where we can brag and boast and I can say, my sacrifice is greater than your sacrifice and my works are greater than your works. That's why it's not, it's by faith. So we can't boast. And then James is like, okay, okay. I'll tell you what, you show me your faith without your works and I'll show you mine through my works. And here we are 2,000 years later, and we still have that debate, you know, back and forth, back and forth about, about faith versus works. Now, I don't, that has nothing to do with what, <laughs> in fact, I'm not even, I, I saw a rabbit and started, started chasing it. But um, it, gives, uh, it gives Jeremy and, and Brennan extra content like for the DVD. <laughs> but... But what about faith that God will listen to us? You know, Noah and Abraham had faith, but they were had faith that God would do what he said. What about faith that God will do what I ask? Is there faith like that in the Bible? Will he grant my request because I ask it of him? And that's where we get to the story that I read earlier in Luke. So I want us to look at it again. But this time we're going to look at it in Mark. Um, Just because, if nothing else, just to point out that Matthew, Mark, and Luke have the same story. It's kind of written. You can see a different perspective. But it's the same story in Mark chapter 10, verse 46. 
And with this story, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Now, Jesus knows his time has come. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He knows this is the, the, the moment is coming when he is going to be crucified. And he's going to sacrifice and lay down his life uh, as for our sins, right? Um, and he's talking to his disciples and teaching his disciples. And they start arguing over who's going to be the greatest in his kingdom. And trying to kind of weasel their way in who can have the best spot. And as they do that, they come, they come to Jericho. So in, chapter, in verse 46 of Mark 10, it says, Then they came to Jericho. And as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, Bartimaeus probably had been in that same spot there at the city gate day after day after day. And now Jesus was coming along. I think about, I don't know if anybody here knows who Doc Watson is. Doc Watson was a folk singer and, and a, he kind of made flat picking guitar famous. He was, he was a great Shady Grove was one of his songs. Anyway, my, my kids and I, my daughters and I were in Boone, North Carolina. And we were there. I was visiting some, some, a store that I have. It's actually in Blowing Rock. We were, but so we were, they went with me on the trip and we came to Boone. Now, Doc Watson's from Boone, North Carolina. And we went to the Mass General store. You know, the big, big mass general store, like the one in, ones in Knoxville. And when we got out of our car, right there on the corner was a park bench and like several little trees. And on that park bench was a statue, a bronze statue sitting. It was Doc Watson. It was an honor of Doc Watson in his hometown. Right? So I explained to them who Doc Watson was. They weren't all that impressed. But... <laughs> And we went in the Mass General store. And we shopped and stayed in there for, you know, who knows how long probably. When we came back out, we walked to our car. Sitting on that bench beside the statue of Doc Watson was Doc Watson. Now, one thing I think I left out of that, Doc Watson was blind. You see, his family member, it was a nephew, brought him there. Often, they said really often, like not every day, but really, really often. And he sat on that bench and he just met people and he talked to people and he told stories about his life as, as, as a musician and as a, as a songwriter and as, as a blind man. And I think in the same way, Bartimaeus had a family member bring him day after day and, and leave him there. And when he was there begging for money, begging for food. Because he was blind, he couldn't see, but he could hear, right? And he would have heard stories. He would have heard stories about Jesus. He would have heard about how Jesus fed the 5,000 with just a few loaves and fishes. Mark, Mike talked about that last week. You know, 5,000 men. There were probably two, three times that number of people. 10, 15,000 because they didn't count women and children. Um, he would have heard the debate about Jesus. You know, someone saying Jesus is the Messiah. 
Someone else is like, I don't know about that. I don't think Jesus is the Messiah because the Messiah was born in Bethlehem. And then somebody else is like, well, you know, where's this old boy from Nain was down here a few weeks ago. And he said he heard that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And then somebody else pipes up, Nain, isn't that where Jesus brought the widow's sons back to life and raised him from the dead? And then the stories kept going. Jesus healed lepers. Jesus healed uh, a man who, who had been crippled his whole life. And suddenly he just leapt up, and grabbed his mat and ran. But here's the big one. Bartimaeus would have heard that Jesus healed the blind. Because there's multiple times, really, where stories of where Jesus healed the blind. And it's also a tag a lot of times. You know, and then Jesus healed all the lame and blind. So Bartimaeus had heard those stories. He knew those stories that Jesus had healed the blind. So he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the, the folks around him rebuked him. They told him to be quiet. Shut up. Leave, you know, you're just, a, you're just a blind beggar. Who cares about you? Shut up. Be quiet. But Bartimaeus kept thinking about the miracle worker, about Jesus, about the Messiah. So he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Then in verse 49, it says, Jesus stopped and said, call him. You know, I can imagine the crowd uh, just kind of. Moved back when Jesus stopped and like formed a little, you know, a little circle and everybody's kind of stretching their neck and trying to see what's going on. And I'm going to chase another rabbit. Call him. I don't think that's accidental. You know, it wasn't in the story in Luke. Well, he, he did say, bring him to me. But I think that's in there for a purpose. Call him. You know, Jesus could easily just have walked over to where Bartimaeus was. And that's usually what he did when he came upon people. He just walked up to him, went up to him. But I think he's he's telling us, he depends on us, call people, bring people, bring people to him. You know, then Jesus could have walked up to Bartimaeus. He can't now, right? So Jesus depends on us, bring him, call him, bring people to him. And when Jesus said that, attitudes towards the blind man changed. Look what they said. They called to the blind man, cheer up, from shut up to cheer up. Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. So throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. What do you want me to do for you? Wasn't that obvious? Wouldn't it have been obvious what he wanted? Why would Jesus ask, what do you want me to do for you? Matthew 6, 8 says, your father knows what you need before you ask him. And that was Jesus saying that. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. Proverbs 5.21 says, Your ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines all your paths. Jesus knows. Jesus knew Bartimaeus was blind. Jesus knew we needed rain. Jesus knows if your spouse walked out on you. Jesus knows what the doctor report was. Jesus knows what the x-ray said. Jesus knows you lost your baby to miscarriage. Jesus knows 
that your father or your mother or your child is sick. Jesus knows that your that your son or your daughter is lost and needs him. But he wants us to trust him. He wants us to ask him. I think of my dad's favorite verse. Matthew 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For whoever asks receives. Whoever seeks will find. And whoever knocks the door will be opened to them. Ask. Let's go back a couple verses. From this story. To verse 35. Remember I told you the disciples were arguing who was best. Who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. And trying to stake their claim. It was just a few verses before this. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. They weren't very mature, really. They were kind of like kids. You know, mom, if I ask you something, will you do it for me? <laughs> of course, even as adults, I'm going to ask you something, but promise you'll tell me yes. <laughs> Look what Jesus said. What do you want me to do for you? Same question. What do you want me to do for you? So they replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in glory. Jesus replied, you don't know what you are asking. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? We can. Jesus said, you will drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. But to sit at my right and left is not mine to grant. Those were places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. A few things I want you to think about. I'm going to jump with one of them right out of the gate. Jesus did not say no to their prayer. He said it wasn't his to grant. You know, it could very well be that in heaven, John's at his left and James's is his right. We don't know that. He just said it wasn't his to grant. He didn't say no. Personally, I think they probably are. But what we do see in this is they obviously didn't understand what was getting ready to happen. They didn't understand why he was going to Jerusalem. They didn't understand what was he was getting ready to go through. Because the next time we see someone on his left and right, he's being crucified and there's a thief on the other side of him. So, here's what I want us to get from that. Ask. They ask. Leave it to Jesus if it's best for you. Leave it to Jesus if, if, if it's his will. Leave it to Jesus if he wants to grant it or doesn't want to grant it now or later. Ask. He's, he's, he's coming to you. What do you want me to do for you? Don't be afraid to ask. But have the faith. You know, I think James and John, they ask. I think they were sincere. That's what they really wanted. They even said they could go through what he was getting ready to go through. They didn't understand what it was, but they were willing. What do you want me to do for you? The blind man, Bartimaeus, said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. 
Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Now we're where I wanted to get to. Your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. How did Jesus know Bartimaeus had faith? Well, he's God, right? He knows everything. I don't think that's the answer. Which Bartimaeus was persistent. He kept on. You remember? Shut up. And he still kept yelling, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. But just continuing to shout and yell and, and ask isn't really faithful. It's persistent. It's stubborn. <laughs> but it's not necessarily faithful. What about he asked over and over and over? Again, he's just stubborn. He's faithful. What about the fact that he asked at all? I mean, he, he called Jesus son of David. He probably, he, you know, did he think at that point he was the Messiah? So just the fact that he asked, did that make him faithful? Well, every year we're getting, you know, close to Christmas coming up. And every year, um, when, when particularly more so probably when my kids' daughters were little, we'd always make a list. You probably have the same thing. Make your Christmas list. What's your wish list? Granddaughters get the Amazon catalog and they go through in circle. You know, everything they want from Amazon. You make a list. Well, well, one of them, I won't say which one since they're, since they're here, but year after year, for several years, would put Apple Watch. <laughs> she wanted an Apple Watch. And one, one year she told me, she says, I put Apple Watch on my list, even though I know you won't get it for me. Now, she knew that I could. But she didn't think that I would. So just because she asked did not mean that she really believed I could. Now, you know, finally I did get her an Apple Watch for Christmas. So that's a happy ending. So just because Bartimaeus asked doesn't mean he had the faith that Jesus would do. So how did Jesus know he had faith? Look back at the story. When, when they told him to cheer up, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet. Throwing his cloak aside. Think about that for a minute. He's blind. How's he going to come back and get it? He threw it aside. How can he come back and get his cloak? So it's a cloak, right? So what? It's just a cloak. Well, is it just a cloak? Because Mosaic law in Exodus and Deuteronomy tells us, tells the, the people of the day, a cloak, a cloak was an inalienable possession. Inalienable possession. You could not take someone's cloak. And someone could not just give you their cloak. I guess they could give it to you. But the problem is you couldn't take it. If they gave it to you as, uh, as a pledge or as collateral for a debt, at night you had to give it back to them. And then you could get it back in the morning. Cloak was an important, it was a valuable possession in those days. And Bartimaeus just tossed his aside. How could he come back and get it? Unless he could see. So he didn't guard his possessions. He didn't safeguard what he had. He didn't keep what would be one of the most important possessions. And for him, maybe the only thing that he owned. He cast it aside. Because he knew Jesus was going to heal him and he would be able to see. He, 
so he let go. So what today, what do we need to let go of? What do you need to let go of? When Jesus asks, what do you want me to do for you? Let me skip forward a chapter now. I skip back a little bit. Let me skip forward to Mark 11, verse 22. Well, in this story, this is when Jesus had gone into uh, Jerusalem and he went up to a fig tree and, and the fig tree didn't have any fruit and he cursed it. And then the next day when they came back, the, the tree had died. He, he cursed the fig tree and it died. And Peter kind of brought that up. He's like, <laughs> that tree that you, you know, said something about yesterday, I mean, it's, it's, it's dead. And here's what Jesus said. Have faith in God. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Matthew's version of this story, Jesus says, if you believe, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. What about it's it's God's what if it's God's will? How many times we attach that to our prayer? And it's true. First John says, if we ask anything according to his will, he will answer it. And that's okay. Again, let God worry about that. But I think too often we pray and we say, God, he'll Aunt Becky, if it's your will. And I think that limits God. And I'm not really so much talking to you all as I'm talking to myself. You can get mad at me. You can say that that's, that's all wrong. But in Matthew, Jesus says, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. He does not say if it's my will. And what I just read here. It says, if you say to this mountain, throw yourself into the sea and don't doubt it in your heart, but believe that what you say will happen, it will be done. Probably not God's will. If I go out here and ask him to cast Mount Lecon to the sea, that's probably not his will. But according to this, if I ask him that, he will do it. Or would I be like the lady who every day she's washing her dishes and out in her kitchen sink, there's a hillside there and she can't see anything except that hillside. So one evening she asks God and she says, God, your word says, if I have faith, you'll move a mountain. So move that mountain so I have a beautiful view out my window. And she closed the curtain and she went to sleep. And the next morning she woke up and she threw back the curtain and there that hillside still sat. And she goes, I knew it. <laughs> See, you have to have the faith. And that's a tough one. And, but I, is if it's your will a safety valve? God, he'll, he'll, he'll let you back. He will come back. If it's your will. That way if he doesn't, then you can say, well, it wasn't his will. Um, so you can still believe it's God's God. What if he did? 
then how much would you believe that God is God? And do you believe that God is God? Are you going to walk away from here and say that I twisted things around and left out the it is his will thing? You know, my grandmother, I can remember, she's the greatest Christian that I think I ever knew. But every time she prayed, it was always like, if it's your will, you know, I'll see you tomorrow if it's your will. <laughs> God willing and the creek don't rise, you know, as people say. I'm not saying that to be like judgmental toward her, toward her, toward anybody else. It's tough. It's tough. But Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Is there something you need to let go of so that he'll do it? Or something you need to bring so he will do it? Do you have to have the faith to bring an umbrella? You know, again, he is standing and asking. I'm going to invite you all as uh, just to think about that as it's Brennan and and Kelsey come up here. We get ready to to sing a song. Um, What do you want God to do for you? And do you really, really believe it? What do we want God to do for us as a church? Do we want God to, to build a building out Newport Highway? Do we really think he will? Do we really believe it? Do we want young families coming coming to our church? Do we really think he will? Do we really believe it? But what about you in your life? Uh, you know, healing of sickness, a restored relationship in your family, whatever whatever it might be, a restored relationship in this room. What what do you want me to do for you? Jesus is asking. And if you tell him, don't believe me. Believe his word. If you tell him what you want, he will grant it. Whatever you ask. So as we stand and as we get ready to sing, Heavenly Father, just thank you this morning for, for loving us. Thank you for standing before us and asking us what we want and help us to have the faith and the trust and the belief that you will grant whatever we ask in your name. In Jesus' name, amen.